Welcome to Asbury United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Will. Thanks for joining our podcast. This is where you'll be able to find all of our sermons, as well as special devotionals and interviews. We hope these messages inspire hope and bring support as you grow on your journey of faith. If you have any questions, or if you want further conversation, or if you simply like what you hear, connect with Asbury through our Facebook page or by checking our website at asburymaitland.org. Well, we are in the fall season, and it appears that the weather is finally aligning with that reality. Can I get an amen? amen. We Floridians will certainly welcome any cooler weather uh, that we can get our hands on. Well, folks, I don't know about you, but for me personally, fall seems to fly by faster than any other season during the year. And I think this is due to the significant uh, events and holidays packed into this small period of time. Uh, first, we have the start of school, followed by Halloween. In fact, Halloween is uh, next week or so. And then we have Thanksgiving. And then before we realize it, the fall season has come to an end, and we're in the midst of winter, gearing up for Christmas. And then what happens immediately after Christmas? What comes exactly one week after Christmas Day? New Year's. And that's when millions of Americans come up with a list of resolutions. In other words, those things that they resolve to do in that new year. And do you know what the number one New Year's resolution always is? That's exactly right. Give more money to your local church. That's always at the top <laughs> of everybody's list every single year. That's what I heard. I don't know what you heard. No, fill with optimism and perhaps packing a few extra pounds from all the holiday eating uh, millions of Americans commemorate the new year by embarking on an unfamiliar urban adventure. They join a local gym. In fact, I was doing some research for this sermon, and I came across uh, a surprising statistic, and that is that 12%, 12% of all gym memberships happen in January, the first month of the year. And so visit your local gym in January of 2024 and I promise you, you will find those ellipticals fresh with new faces. But then what happens as the weeks and the months go by is that those people who signed up for a gym membership, well, their life gets busier and attendance goes down. Now, some of those people who signed up for a gym membership in January, they will still hold on to that membership. They'll still pay for that membership, hoping that they'll pick up their attendance in the future. And you know what? I think for the most part, gyms are okay with that. Uh, they can handle that ebb and flow. They can sustain their operation even with absentee members. However, folks, that same approach does not bode well for local churches. The problem is, is that way too many people in our culture, and you probably already know this to be true, but a lot of people in our culture approach church membership and being a part of the church with that same transient Come and go as you please. Take it or leave it mentality. And the result is local churches don't become the thriving communities that they are fully capable of being by the good grace of the Lord. Uh, this morning, uh, we are kicking off a new series of sermons on what it means to be a part of the church. And we have entitled this series, A Community That Thrives. Uh, the graphic is up here. A Community That Thrives. 
Um, in this new sermon series, we are going to delve into one of the membership vows that we take when we join Asbury United Methodist Church. And in fact, it's the same vow that we take when we join any United Methodist congregation. And that is that we'll support the church and we'll faithfully participate in the church's ministries through our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. You've probably heard these before. Prayers, of course, we'd be praying for the church, praying for the larger community in which the church is found. Presence would be worship attendance, and we have folks who worship uh, in person. We have folks who worship via the internet. Um, gifts would be regular and consistent financial giving. Not giving once in a while, but regular and consistent financial giving. Uh, service would be volunteering, and then witness would be sharing our faith and inviting those without a church family to engage with us here. Prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness. Over the next five Sundays, we are going to explore how Asbury, United Methodist Church, can become the healthy, thriving, biblically functioning community that we are called to be, empowered by God's grace, as all of us faithfully support this church through our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. Now, just a quick word. This new sermon series directly corresponds uh, with the stewardship packets that um, Pastor Will mentioned, and Tom also mentioned, I believe, uh, earlier in the service today. Uh, those stewardship packets went out in the mail um, last week. Hopefully, you received your packet before the weekend if you're a member or a regular attendee of Asbury. If you didn't receive a packet and would like one, uh, we do have some available in the back of the room. Uh, we also have them on the website. If you go to our website, asburymaitland.org, uh, you can find those packets on the front page. We've tried to make this as easy as possible. Um, you can also contact our office, and we would be more than happy to email you a copy. But folks, please read those packets. Please engage those packets. Those packets contain crucial information that will help all of us faithfully respond to these sermons as we seek to live out our commitment to Jesus Christ through this church. Uh, the scripture passage that's going to guide us and anchor us in these sermons is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, now you are the body of Christ, and some of you are a part of it. No, that's not what he says. Now you are the body of Christ, and most of you are a part of it. No, that's not what he says. Now you are the body of Christ, and what? Each of you is a part of it. If you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ in this world, then you are a part of the body of Christ, integrated into this community of believers known as the church. In other words, you are the conduit. You are the instrument through which the Lord Jesus wants to continue his ministry work in this world. And for the church to thrive, each of us must play our part. We must be all in. This isn't the hokey pokey, one foot in, one foot out, nothing like that. We must be all in, fully committed, engaging in prayers, presence, gifts, service, witness. And so we start this new sermon series with the first of these five things that we offer the church. Prayers. Can you say that word with me? Prayers. Sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? Praying for the church, praying for the community, praying for all the ministries associated with the church. But that begs the question, 
what's the significance of prayer? I mean, how could something as intangible as my prayers make a difference for Asbury in the grand scheme of things? I imagine that question might be on your mind this morning. So I think it's worth exploring and talking about. Why did God give us prayer in the first place? Well, the Bible tells us in 1 John 4 that God is love. Actually, the writer mentions that statement twice in 1 John 4. God is love. And because God is love, God's highest agenda for us as human beings is to have a great career, right? No. No, God's highest agenda for us is to settle down and make lots of money. No. No, God's highest agenda, God's top priority for you and for me is to have a relationship with us. I'm convinced that's the whole reason God made us, that's the whole reason God created us, that's the whole reason God put us on this planet, to have a relationship with us. But here's what we have to recognize. A relationship thrives when both partners hold some level of power. A relationship thrives when both partners hold some level of power. A relationship where only one partner dictates everything isn't much of a relationship at all. You ever seen the movie Titanic? Probably, right? One of the highest grossing movies of all time. Came out back in 1997, almost 20 years ago. Well, there's this scene in Titanic, as you may recall, where the female protagonist, do you remember her name? Rose. Well, Rose is engaged to her fiancé, Cal, and she's sitting in the ship's luxury dining room with Cal. They're both first-class passengers on board the Titanic. Now, unfortunately, Cal does not respect Rose. He patronizes her. He does not allow Rose to be her own person. And so what happens is Rose lights up a cigarette. And instead of politely asking Rose to put out the cigarette, what does Cal do? Forcefully takes it away. And then the server comes by to take their order. And Rose can't even speak. She can't even get a word in. She can't even talk to the server. Instead, Cal orders for the two of them without consulting Rose. And then he turns to his fiance, and in a very condescending way, he asks this question. You like what I just ordered? Right, sweetie pie? Well, that's when Molly Brown, who actually is a historical figure, uh, all the other characters are fictional, or most of them are fictional, but Molly Brown, who is a historical figure, she's played by Kathy Bates, and she's sitting at that same table. She watches this whole exchange unfold, and that's when Molly Brown raises this question to Cal. You gonna cut her meat for two there, Cal? You gonna cut her meat for her two there, Cal? In other words, are you gonna allow her to be her own person? Or are you simply going to do everything for her? It is challenging for a relationship to thrive and be healthy unless both partners hold some level of power. This is part of the reason why parents, you parents out there, you try to empower your kids as much as possible as you relate to your children. Do you put limits on your children? Yes. Do you put boundaries in place? Yes. But you still try to empower your children within those boundaries and within those limits as much as reasonably possible, right? Well, as our Heavenly Father, what God does is God empowers us. God empowers you and me to a certain degree because God wants us to have a voice. God wants us to exert influence. And if you're not sure about this, we actually see this truth unfold in one of the opening stories of the Bible. The story of creation. God creates the animals of the world. And then after he creates the animals, he brings those animals to Adam. Why? To name them, exactly. 
This is what the writer of Genesis shares in Genesis 2.19. It says, So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. Could God have named the animals himself? Absolutely. We're talking about God. He spoke galaxies into place. In fact, I think God would have done a better job naming the animals than us. Duckbill platypus? What kind of bizarre name is that for an animal? Giraffe? I mean, come on. Is that really the appropriate name? God could have named the animals, but naming something involves exerting power, influence. God empowered Adam, the first man, as he went about this task. Well, as theologians like to remind us, Adam is an archetypal human being. That's the $50 word for today, archetypal. What that means is Adam stands in for us. He represents all humanity. That what was true for Adam also applies to us. That God wants us to have a voice. God wants us to exert influence in this world. And a crucial way we do this is through prayer. Prayer is the channel that facilitates our relationship with God. And through this channel, God invites us, God invites you, God invites me to speak up, to cry out, to ask for specific things to happen, to identify our petitions, to name our request. Now granted, and this is really important to remember, this doesn't always mean that things will unfold as we want them to. All of us have experienced that in prayer. It doesn't mean that things will unfold as we want them to. But you know what it does mean? It does mean that God hears us. That God listens to our petitions. God is not some static force way out there in the universe. No, God is a personal being. He is a dynamic God who constantly interacts with his children. I love what David has to say about this in Psalm 34, verse 17. David says, The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord hears us. But not only does the Lord hear us, the Lord responds to us. He intervenes through our prayers. Have you ever experienced this before? Uh, my wife, Amanda, who a lot of you know, and if you don't know her, you should get to know her because I happen to think that she's a great person. But of course, I'm biased. Uh, my wife, Amanda, though, uh, she gave me permission to share this. She grew up in the church, but like a lot of young people, um, she strayed away from the church after she finished high school. Well, after she had finished college and she had begun her career, she was working for a company over in Melbourne, Florida, and there was a colleague of hers at work who invited her to attend a worship service at the church where she attended. Uh, there was going to be an evening worship service, and the preacher that night was going to be a guest preacher. The preacher lived in Montana, but he was doing a preaching tour across the country. So Amanda's work friend said, why don't you come with me to this service and enjoy the music and, and hear an inspiring sermon? Amanda said, okay. She didn't really know what to expect. Well, during that service, she was so moved by what the pastor had to say that she committed herself to Jesus. This was about a year or so before we met. 
She said, Lord Jesus, I want to follow you. I want so desperately to be your disciple in this world. Well, then sometime later, Amanda was traveling for work, and she was traveling internationally. And because of a mix-up, and because she didn't have access to all the documents that she needed in that moment, she ended up being detained in another country for about 12 hours. She was all by herself. It's a very scary experience, and also humiliating, as she told me. Well, during that time when she was detained, she simply bowed her head and she said a prayer. She said, Lord God, I'm so lonely right now, and I'm so discouraged. Please encourage me. Please give me hope. Please give me peace, as only you are capable of doing. Well, officially, or, um, eventually she was released and allowed to go back home. And so she was at the airport the very next day, and she was waiting for her flight home. Well, who did she run into at the airport? The very same pastor under whose preaching she had decided to follow Jesus Christ. And so she approached the pastor, and she told the pastor what had happened, how she had been detained, and how discouraged she was, and how she had asked God for help. And the pastor said to her, you know what? I don't think it's an accident that you and I ran into each other. I think that God used your prayers, used the prayers that you said yesterday to purposely arrange our meeting. I mean, folks, what are the chances of a significant encounter like that happening on its own, all by itself? Not good. William Temple, who was a Church of England clergy person and the Archbishop of Canterbury, he one time said this, when I pray, coincidences happen. And when I don't, they don't. When I pray, coincidences happen. And when I don't, they don't. God intervenes through the prayers of his people, which highlights another important truth that God uses our prayers to unleash his power in the world. That if you and I want access to heaven's power, then we need to be on our knees asking God to send that power. Uh, Pastor Jim Cimbala, maybe you've heard that name before. Jim Cimbala, back in the 1970s, this was 50 years ago, um, he was serving a church in Brooklyn, New York, and that church was struggling. I mean, they had maybe 30 people in attendance on a really good Sunday. And of course, this was well before we had online church and people could join online. They had maybe 30 people in person on a Sunday, on a good Sunday. Well, that church was really struggling to pay their bills. They were struggling to make ends meet. They didn't know week to week if they would have enough money to keep the lights on. The worship, Jim said, was so dull and uninspiring that there were some Sundays when he didn't want to be there as the pastor. That's how you know the services are pretty bad. The pastor doesn't want to be there. Jim was hanging on by a thread. He was looking for a way to quit and to get out of there. Well, it was wintertime, and he caught a cold, and the cold wouldn't go away. And his in-laws lived in St. Petersburg, Florida, his wife's parents. And so they said, well, Jim, why don't you come down here to St. Petersburg, spend some time in the warmer climate, and that might help you get better. He couldn't afford a plane ticket, but they said, you know what, we're going to buy your plane ticket. So he got on a plane, came to St. Petersburg. He was on a tour boat in St. Petersburg. Maybe some of you have been on a tour boat like that. Just looking out at the water, he was feeling so discouraged. And he said to God, God, I have no idea what I'm doing right now. All I know 
is that my wife and I are living in the middle of New York City with people dying on every side, overdosing from heroin, consumed by materialism and all the rest. If the gospel, if the good news of Jesus is so powerful, he couldn't finish the sentence. The tears got to him. But then on that tour boat, Jim Sambala heard the voice of God whisper, Jim, if you and your wife will lead my people to pray and to call upon my name, I promise you, you will never lack something fresh to preach. I will supply all the money that's needed for your church, for your family, and you will never have a building big enough to contain all the crowds that I'm going to send in response. So Jim went back to New York, and he shared this vision with the leadership of that struggling church. And in response, that church created a Tuesday evening prayer service. They had the regular Sunday service, but then they also had a Tuesday night prayer service. This is what Jim Cimbala says about that service um, in his book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. From this day on, the prayer meeting will be the barometer of our church. What happens on Tuesday night at the prayer service will be the gauge by which we will judge success or failure because that will be the measure by which God blesses us. That prayer service became the engine that drove that church. Do you know that today, Brooklyn Tabernacle's attendance is in the thousands? In fact, they have one of the most diverse churches in this entire nation with people of different races and nationalities and languages and backgrounds. Their choir is known around the world. You ever heard of the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir? They've performed at presidential inaugurations. But most importantly, that church offers the saving and the liberating love of Jesus Christ to all people, especially those who are most marginalized. And it all started when that church decided to be a praying congregation. Prayer is the channel that unleashes God's power uh, one of my favorite theologians is a guy named Karl Barth. He lived back in the 20th century. He said this, to clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. Folks, the disorder of this world, this world has a lot of disorder, amen? The disorder of this world is not conquered in the boardroom. It is not even conquered in the Oval Office. It is not conquered in places of political power or judicial power. Rather, the disorder of this world is primarily conquered when the people of God are on their knees in prayer, begging God, asking God, pleading with the Lord that His will will be done on earth, even as it is in heaven. And so, yeah, prayer matters. Prayer makes a difference. And that's why prayer is included in this membership vow that we take when we join Asbury United Methodist Church. Prayers, presence, gifts, service, witness. So I want to challenge you this morning. I want to challenge myself. Pray for Asbury. Can we do that? Pray for Asbury. Pray for Asbury first thing when you wake up in the morning. Pray for Asbury as the last thing that you do just before bedtime. Pray that God would help us to be a part of what God is blessing in this world. Not just that God would bless us, but that God would help us to be a part of what God is already blessing. Pray that we would align ourselves with God's will. Pray that we would have a financially sustainable ministry. 
Pray that God would stir us to new levels, not the same level, but to new levels of generosity and that we would do our part to close the $60,000 deficit that our congregation is currently facing. Pray that God would anoint our leaders, our staff, our pastors, our lay leaders. Pray that we would be equipped to minister to the people that God sends to us. Pray that God would send us the people that nobody else wants so they might discover their worth and their value in God and their true identity as God's daughters and God's sons. Pray for our unity. Pray that we would resist the tactics of the enemy, Satan himself, to divide us and to separate us. Pray that we would offer a bold alternative witness, even in the midst of conflict and disagreement. And yeah, we're going to have conflict, we're going to have disagreement, but pray that even in the midst of such conflict and disagreement, we might offer a bold alternative witness to this hyper-polarized world that we live in right now. Pray that all of us, not some of us, not most of us, but each and every one of us, would be fully committed to our mission of knowing the love of Jesus Christ, passing it on, When we pray, when we go to God in prayer, there is simply no telling what the Lord might do. A Doug Coe ran a ministry in Washington, D.C. that mostly involved people in politics and statecraft. Well, one time Doug met a man named Bob. Uh, Bob worked in insurance. He had no connection to people in government circles. But when he became a Christian, he went to Doug because Doug had been a Christian for a long time. And so he sought guidance and mentorship from Doug so that he could learn more about his newfound faith. Well, one day, Bob came to Doug all excited and enthusiastic. Is it true? Does Jesus really answer our prayers, he asked? Well, yes, it is true that Jesus answers our prayers. Not always as we want him to, but Jesus does, in fact, answer our prayers. All right, Bob said, I better start praying. Ooh, I got an idea. I'm going to start praying for a particular country. And then he identified the country. That's interesting, Doug said. You ever been to that country? No. Do you know anybody who lives there? No. I just want to pray for it. All right, Doug said, I challenge you, pray for that country every single day for six months. And let's see what God does. So he began to pray for that country each and every day. For a while, nothing seemed to happen. But then one day, he was attending a banquet in Washington, D.C., and there were people around the table who were sharing what they did for a living. And this one woman spoke up, and she said that she ran a children's home in the nation that Bob had been praying for, the largest children's home in the entire country. And so Bob, his interest was piqued. And he began, to, he began to bombard her with question after question after question. And finally, she said to him, you seem very interested in my country. You ever been there? No. Do you know anybody who lives there? No. Well, why the interest? Well, somebody challenged me to pray. And then the woman said, tell you what, why don't you get on a plane and come and visit? I'll give you a tour of the children's home myself. Bob said, Okay got on a plane. He went. She took him around the children's home. Well, he was so overwhelmed by the needs there that he wanted to do something about it. So he came back home, and he began to write letters to pharmaceutical companies, 
pointing out the fact that every single year they discard good medical supplies. Well, why not send those medical supplies to this children's home who really needs it? And you know what the pharmaceutical company said? Okay, we'll do it. In fact, that children's home ended up receiving well over a million dollars worth of medical supplies. And the person who ran the children's home, she was so blown away, she called Bob up on the phone and she said, Bob, this is incredible. I want you to come back over here. We're going to celebrate this. And so he came back to the country, and you know who was there? The president of that nation. Because, again, this children's home was the largest in that entire country. And the president came up to Bob, and he thanked him, and he said, Bob, I want to give you a tour of the capital city. He's taking Bob around the capital city. They walked past the prison, and Bob asked about some of the inmates, and he learned that some of them were political prisoners. Bob said to the president, I think you should let those people go. I don't think, I don't think you should have them there. The president was kind of taken aback, and he said, hmm. Well, then Bob went back home. Sometime later, he received a phone call from the United States government. Is this Bob? Yeah. Were you recently in such and such country? Yeah. Did you talk to the president there about political prisoners? Yeah. I said he should let them go. We want you to know, we've been working to secure their release for years, and it's finally happened. We're just calling to say thank you. All these amazing things happened. Why? Because Bob prayed. Do not underestimate Prayer. Prayer is the channel for divine intervention. It is the means through which God unleashes God's power in the world. Do you love Asbury? Do you care about Asbury? Do you want to see Asbury do well? Offer Asbury your prayers each and every day, and then watch and see what the Lord does with those prayers. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. God, I am humbled that I get to be one of the pastors of this congregation. Thank you so much for Asbury, for the gift that it is in our community, for the gift that it is to so many people. And we pray, God, that you would bless Asbury in every way, Actually, as we said, that you would help us to be a part of what you are already blessing. God, help us to be stewards of the resources that you have given to us. Help us to be all in and fully committed to our mission of knowing your love and passing it on. May Asbury continue into the future as a thriving congregation, the very one that you have made it to be. We ask all these things in the holy name of Jesus. Amen.